We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. And I'm going to get right into the word. I'm going to, um, tonight we're, we're still in our series in the book of Acts, and I'm going to try to get through uh, several parts of this tonight. And, but uh, I, I will warn you that the next two chapters, Acts 19 and Acts 20, two of my favorites. So we may just get stuck there for a while. But we're going we're gonna to try to get through it tonight as best that we can. And, um, but I want to uh, go back uh, to Acts 18, begin here, and I'll begin at verse 24. Acts 18 and verse 24. This is where I ended uh, the last time we were together, and this is where I'll begin tonight. The Bible says this, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Remember that, it's going to be important. He only knew the baptism of John. He did not know his knowledge had not been increased. He did not know of anything else. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Acacia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for the series that we're in. I thank you for the spirit that we feel here in this house tonight. And I ask you now to speak to us through your word, encourage us, grow us, and mature us. And we'll be so careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. And the church said, amen. 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 You may be seated in Jesus' name. Thank you for standing with me. So, in my last lesson on the book of Acts is kind of where, I've end, where I ended this. And I'll kind of, I'll go back here a little bit uh, to uh, bring you up to speed. So over the last several chapters in the, the book of Acts, chapter 16, 17, and most of 18, Paul has been traveling. And this is years. This isn't like, you know, Paul has been gone for a month or a couple months. Paul has been traveling for years amongst the Gentiles in different cities. He's been in... Troas. He's been in. Uh, he's been in Berea. He's he he's been in Ephesus. He's been in all these different places. He's been in Corinth. He's been in Galatia. He's been in all these different places that he will later write letters to. And he's going to go back to many of these places um, before it's all over with uh, to just visit here and there. And in every one of these places, Paul has great revival. There are a group of people who will always be converted and convinced at these different locations. But here is a theme that we find through these chapters. The theme we find is this, is that while the Gentiles are greatly convinced and while the Gentiles are greatly converted, there is a problem with the Jews. There are Jews that are converted. The Bible will tell us that there are certain Jews who will be converted, they'll be baptized. All of these things are happening. But as a group of people, the Jews are fighting Paul in every way possible. They don't believe it. They're having trouble um, with the Old Testament. 
their, uh, which they would call the word of their fathers. Uh, this is the law to them. They feel like Paul is going against everything they've ever been taught uh, from their childhood to this point. So it's a, it's a massive undertaking that Paul is doing uh, in, in these last few chapters. Years of travel, uh, different people, different connections. He's preached in synagogues. He's met with all kinds of people, and he's been beaten. He's been, he, he, they, they tried to kill him. Uh, the Lord made him invisible, and, and all we know is that he just was there, and then he was gone somewhere else. And he's been through all of this stuff, but one thing that Paul has trouble with is convincing the Jews. There has been no great revival among the Jews as of yet, leaving Acts chapter 2, when we have at least that we know of 3,000 to 5,000 being saved on that first day. And we know that through the time, there are de definitely, uh, we know of probably about in the first few chapters of Acts, maybe 10 to 15,000 Jews that have been saved. But beyond that, it has been mostly Gentiles in the thousands. Uh, some would say at this point that the church of the living God is well into uh, the 100,000 co converts range or maybe even more. And so you have to think about this, uh, about a, a land density and, and population that may not be all that much. They, they're, they're, like every other person you meet has heard, at least heard, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody, I mean, this is, Paul has literally, when Paul passes away, Paul will have reached Asia by himself. That's a massive piece of land. It's, it's, um, it's unbelievable to think about him being able to evangelize such a vast place. But you have to think about this. Paul was traveling for years, not just a couple months, not just a ministry, uh, you know, not just a year here and a year. I mean, he's traveling for years on end, going into different places, and we'll see some of that in the next coming uh, chapters. But the Bible will tell us that while um, all, this is going, all this is going on, the Bible brings to our attention a certain man by the name of Apollos. Now, Apollos is born in Alexandria, and the Bible says two things about him, that he was an eloquent man and that he was mighty in the Scripture. He obviously could, had speaking ability because if the Bible was to say he was eloquent, it would mean that he could speak good. He, he, had, he was a good communicator. He was eloquent in his speech. But the second thing is that he was mighty in the scripture. He knew the word of God. He, 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 was, he could speak, and he was a, a great, great man of scripture. He studied the scripture. He desired to know the scripture. And he, the Bible says, was mighty in the scriptures. And he came to Ephesus. And the man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So here's what we know. We know that Apollos at some point had heard John preach in the wilderness because he was baptized into the baptism of John, meaning that he was baptized by John. John baptized Apollos in some desert place somewhere. Now, most theologians believe that almost thousands upon thousands, it's hard to know the exact number, but thousands upon thousands of people were baptized by John in the wilderness. People would literally leave their jobs. People would go out on the Lord's Day, uh, which is the first day of the week. 
people would make trips out into the wilderness just to hear John preach. Because here's what John was preaching. The kingdom of the Lord is at hand. This was his message. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, they had no trouble believing that. The Jews had no trouble believing that the kingdom of God was at hand. The scripture were, was clear about time frames and, and situational awareness of the Jews. They knew that the time is nigh. What they couldn't believe is that the kingdom of God was coming in a man, Jesus. But they believed that the kingdom was at hand, and many of them were baptized by John in the desert. They went out there, some of them as young people, just believing that something exciting was happening, the kingdom of God was coming, and they needed to repent of their sins and be baptized. This is what John's baptism was about. It was a baptism of repentance. So here's Apollos. He's an eloquent man. He's mighty in the scripture, and he's been baptized into repentance. And, he, and he's teaching diligently. He's probably teaching the same thing he heard John the Baptist teach. Man, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Now, when Aquila and Priscilla, these are friends of Paul, and we know this about Aquila and Priscilla, that Aquila and Priscilla also had the same job as Paul. They traveled together as tent makers. So this is what they did. They sewed tents together. Because in those times, if you could build a tent, you could build a house. They lived in tents. So they were, they were, they were contractors. They, they built homes. They were tent makers. They knew how to sew fabric together to create tents. And so we know that Paul and Aquila and Priscilla traveled together for a while as tent makers. And where they went, they preached and taught the word of God and converted, baptized, and prayed people through through the Holy Ghost. We, we know that that happened. They converted many. But Aquila and Priscilla were there, and they heard Apollos speak. And they took him unto them and expounded. And they showed him the way of God more perfectly. This was a beautiful moment, and I ended my, my lesson uh, last time with this concept, is that Aquila and Priscilla had the heart to, to hear someone who didn't exactly believe like they believed, but still believed in God, but still believed in the scripture and, and had the spirit enough and the kindness enough and the attitude enough to bring them into them and say, hey, man, let's look at the word together and let me show you this word more perfectly. And, and apparently when they showed it to him, he received it. And he was disposed to pass into Acacia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the, the disciples to receive him, who when he would come, he helped them, which, which had believed through grace. Now watch this in verse 28. For he mightily convinced the Jews. This was the ministry of Apollos. The ministry of Apollos was that he had a connection with the Jews that Paul didn't have. Because the whole body cannot be the hand. If the whole body were the hand, where, where's the foot? And if the whole body was the eye, where's the ears? Is that we all have a different role and a different function. There are some of you in here who can reach people that I'll never be able to reach. There are young people sitting in here today on Youth Takeover Night. You have connections to, to kids in your school 
they will not hear me talk because I'm an old man, but they will listen to you all day long. They will watch your life. They will listen to you. They will hear you talk. They will, they will take your advice before they'll take mine because you have a connection with them. This is Apollos. Apollos had a connection with the Jews, and he had a way of speaking to them that they received it. When Paul talked, they wanted to kill him. But when Apollos talked, the Bible said that he publicly showed them the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. And here's the whole problem the Jews had. Here's the problem the Jews had, that Jesus was the Christ. They believed the kingdom was coming. They believed the time was nigh. They believed in all that. They just didn't believe that Jesus was the one. But somehow Apollos had an inside track with them. He, there, there was a way that he exhorted. There, there was a way that he was eloquent. There was a way that he expounded on the scripture and he convinced many of the Jews that Jesus was Christ and by doing so converted many Jews. And if you were, you were paying attention in the last few chapters, this is the problem that Paul's having. Paul can't reach Jews. Paul has a ministry to the Gentiles because even though he is a Jew, he was raised as a Roman. So he has connection to them, but he has no connection to the Jews. When the Jews see him, they're like, oh, here's a Roman. Here's what they say about Paul. Paul is a publican. He's a Jew who was raised a Roman and works for the Romans. We don't like Paul. We don't like his kind. We don't like his people. And so Paul can't, his ministry cannot be efficacious among them because they don't respect him. Here comes Apollos. He's a Jew. He's eloquent. He's minding the scripture. He has an uh, inside track that Paul doesn't have. That's why we always, when we are talking to people who love Jesus, know the scripture, but may not believe everything that we believe, it would do us good to behave ourselves wisely and not try to beat people up and not try to get in debate with people to prove our point over another point. Because you never know who you're talking. You might be talking to an Apollos who is the inside track to reach somebody that we may never reach. Somebody said amen. amen. The, the, the entire church would do good, not just True Chapel, but the entire kingdom of God would do good to read these scriptures and understand everybody has a group of people that they can reach specifically and we would do wise to be able to connect with people and treat people with kindness and love people. Here's what Peter would say. He was like, Peter said, test the spirit. Try the spirit. And here's how you test the spirit. Every spirit. Somebody say every. The Greek word for every is every. Every spirit that saith Jesus Christ came in the flesh is the spirit of God. And every spirit that says that Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh, that is the spirit of the Antichrist. So we may not see eye to eye on all this stuff, but I need to be able to look at you and love you and receive you as a brother because if I can show you the way of God more perfectly, if, you, if I can gain respect and influence with you enough that you'll hear me speak the word of God more perfectly, that may be the key to the next revival. And somebody said amen. amen. And I'm going to take you now to Acts 19. And that is reminding me, uh, I, I want to make an announcement tonight, as you turn into Acts 19, beginning of verse 1, that tomorrow, between the times of 3 and 4 p.m., I will be uh, live on 91.5 Victory, 
um, with, uh, with their team there. They'll be interviewing me, and I'll be on that radio show from 3 to 5 tomorrow afternoon on 91.5 Victory. Amen. And y'all pray for me that the Lord will use me in a mighty way. I'm excited about that. Acts 19, beginning in verse 1, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Now, he, where's he at? He's in Ephesus. Where's Apollos from? Ephesus. So he's in Ephesus. He finds certain disciples. He said unto them, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Man, have y'all received the Holy Ghost yet? Here's what they said to him. They said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, and they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about 12. Now here, we can see Paul's definition of salvation. Here's how you're saved. We can see it right here in the scripture. Because the first thing you have to do is believe. If you don't believe, we can't go no further. And we know that Paul believes that because when the Philippian jailer, a few chapters ago in Acts 16, when the Philippian jailer said to Paul, what must I do to be saved? What must me and my household do to be saved? He knows he's talking to a Philippian jailer who has no idea about Jesus, the gospel, nothing. He knows nothing. He's a Philippian jailer. He's not... He's not Jewish. He wasn't raised in a Jewish home. He's a Gentile. He knows nothing. And so Paul looks at this guy who knows nothing, and he said, believe. That's what he said to him, believe. And now we know that later on in the story, their whole, their whole house was baptized, and there was great joy, and they rejoiced. We know that in that scripture. But now Paul is meeting 12 men who he knows already believe. The Bible says, the, uh, the Bible says that, they were disciples. So Paul already knows to believe. So his question to them is, is man, have y'all received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, man, we don't even know about the Holy Ghost. And so for, in Paul's mind, he's like, well, if you believed and you were baptized right, you should have the Holy Ghost. So Paul doesn't go back to believing and say, hey, well, well how did you believe? Right? Paul didn't go back to the beginning and say, how did you believe? Paul went back one more step and said, well, how was you baptized? And they said, well, we're baptized under John's baptism. And Paul's like, that's great. That is the baptism of repentance because John baptized into repentance, but his message was this, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, and he who's coming after me is he. And he said he was talking about Christ Jesus. And when they heard that, they said, okay. And they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and after that, they received the Holy Ghost. We know that because they spake with tongues and they prophesied. There were 12 of these men in Acts 19. So if someone was to say to you today, um, how does your church believe you're saved? We Believe. Believe. And if they say, oh, well, man, I already believe. Well, that's great. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I ain't never heard of the Holy Ghost. Well, how was you baptized? Right? This is a simple 
way of checking on somebody's salvation because somebody's serious about their salvation, then, hey, have you believed? Yeah, I, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus died for my sins. Man, that's awesome. High five. Uh, now, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Oh, I, I, my, my pastor don't talk about the Holy Ghost. Hey, that's fine. How was you baptized? I don't even know. I was baptized when I was a kid. Well, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name like they were in the New Testament. Right? This is not, we're not causing a debate. We're not saying what you're doing is wrong and, and you're evil and this is false doctrine. Right? If someone has been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, how can that be false doctrine? Because that's what Jesus said. Stick with me. Stick with me. It cannot be false doctrine because Jesus actually said that. Right? That's what he said. But what, does his, what did his disciples do? What did they do? I know what Jesus said, but what did they do? They baptized in Jesus' name because they understood what Jesus said. What Jesus was saying was not the names. He was saying the name. They knew the name. The name was Jesus. So when they acted out what Jesus did tell them to do, they acted it out into what they knew. His name was Jesus. Right? They acted that out. That's what they did five times in the, in the New Testament. We have five baptisms, all five times in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, how they, that's what they did. They acted it out. If you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, well, why were you baptized in the first place? You were probably baptized because you wanted to change your life. You wanted to turn your life around. You were making an open commitment. You were telling everybody you knew, I, I'm living for Jesus now. And you were baptized. There's nothing wrong with that. So for me to tell you that's false doctrine, that's, that's, that's me just being foolish. It's not false. It's not evil. It's not. But if you're asking me, Man, if you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, that's amazing. That's the baptism of repentance. But the baptism of repentance is for the one who comes after it. And his name is Christ Jesus. So if you would be rebaptized like they were in Acts 19, it's obviously okay because they did it in Acts 19. If it, if it, if it was good enough for Paul, it's got to be good enough for me. Amen then get rebaptized in Jesus' name. I think that's great. I think, I think everybody should do that. If you, and if you don't know how you're baptized, why not be certain? Or if you're like, you know what, Pastor? I was like six. I got baptized because my, my buddy Tom got baptized, and I, and I don't want to always be like Tom, and when he got baptized, I got baptized. And I don't even really know why I did it. I, just wanted, I, I thought I was going for a swim. But then, hey, let's shore that up. You know, you know now. Your spirit's right now. You have understanding now. Let's do it now. So I said, well, Pastor Chavis, hold on now. My grandma was baptized in, in th this way. And, and my grandma, if anybody going to heaven, granny going to heaven. Don't you dare tell me granny ain't getting in. I would never. I can't. You know why I can't? Because I ain't God. And anybody that would tell you that granny ain't going, they need their head checked. Because I'm not sitting on that throne. All I'm saying is if Granny loved Jesus, she's got a better chance than everybody, most everybody I know. Right? She's got a great chance. But if Grandma was alive, breathing, standing in front of me right now, I'd say, Granny, you need to get baptized in Jesus' name. And you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Because that's what they did in the New Testament. Not, and they say, well, that's what your denomination teaches. Well, not, it's, it's the Bible. It's just, it's in the scripture. And, 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 and listen, yes, yes, I belong to a denomination. And they have a manual in a book. 
and they have all that stuff. But I will never preach this church out of that book. Not never, error, never time. Because that's a book that men wrote 80 years ago. Right? Okay? And those are opinions and ideas. I don't preach opinions and ideas. I preach what the scripture says. And if you go to any church that says, well, you, we know what the Bible says, but uh, we want to take you over here to, to Billy Bob's book that he wrote in 1969 because Billy Bob had a real good connection with the Lord. And, and, can't, and God talked to Billy Bob like he didn't talk to nobody else. And, and, and Billy Bob had a special hat that he wore, and the Lord would speak to him when he wore that hat. And we're going to listen. We're going to read this book now because Billy Bob, I, I, don't, I wouldn't be a part of that. I wouldn't be a part of that. I would say, I, no, I don't. Let's just stay in the Bible, and we'll all stay safe if we just stay in the Word of God. Because it's what the Scripture teaches. And we can infer, absolutely. We, we infer, I infer, you infer, everybody infers. Absolutely. We, we read the Scripture, and, and we theorize, and, and, we, and we look at the Scripture, and we say, well, maybe it's that, it's that. But when you read the Scripture, and you have five different times that you can look to, now let two or three be a witness for something, right? That's Scripture. And so now here we have it here, we have it here, we have it here, we have it here. So I'm drawing the lines like, okay, if this is how they did it, then this is how, as a church, we should do it. If we're trying to get people out of sin into the newness of life, then this is how it should be. Amen. Okay, awesome. Acts 19, I told you these are two of my favorite verse, uh, chapters, so I'm, I'm going to get tied up a little bit. Um, so Paul laid his hands on them. They received the Holy Ghost. Go to verse 8. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing, persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when the divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus both Jews and Greeks. Let me read that scripture again. This continued for two years. This, this disputing and preaching and teaching and uh, collaborating. It, for two years it went on. So that they which dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Both Jews and Greeks. Everybody in Asia was able to hear the word of the Lord. Now that's an amazing an amazing moment right there. Paul preached to all of Asia. That's mind-blowing. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, this here's where we have a biblical connection that every once in a while we will anoint a cloth for someone to be taken to a hospital or someone's kids going through something, whatever it may be, you bring up a, a handkerchief. We anoint that handkerchief. We have the presbytery of the church. Pray the elders of the church will pray over that handkerchief. We'll speak a word over that, and you take that back to the person, put it under their pillow, give it to them, let them put it in their wallet, put it in their pocket, lay it on their hospital bed, whatever it may be. Here's the biblical point. that th This is why we do that. So it, it ain't hocus pocus, and we just made it up, right? We have a biblical con I don't want to do nothing if it doesn't have a biblical connotation. Amen? And so here's the, the biblical connotation of that. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you 
by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Yes. So here's some, here's some guys. Uh, the Bible will call them vagabond Jews, uh, which um, I don't understand why the Bible calls them that, honestly. Uh, here's why I think. Because of the, 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 the writer of this, which is Luke, wants us to know that these Jews was just foolish. Right? So these vagabond Jews, considering themselves to be exorcists, took it upon themselves to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one, Sceva, the seven sons of Sceva, a Jew and a chief of priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? So here's what happened. These vagabond Jews, these, these guys who wanted to, to, to maybe be seen and, and have a ministry, uh, but, but hadn't uh, made full proof of their ministry, they decided we're going to be exorcists. We're going to go out here, we're going to cast demons at these people. And these seven sons of Sceva, they went to someone who had a, a demon in them, and they prayed over, I adjure you, or come out of him uh, by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demon talked back to him and said, we know Jesus, and we know Paul, but we don't know you. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Man, where was YouTube when, it, where, where was, where was a flip phone when this happened? These men, they, they were feeling froggy. They was going to do, they, they was going to, we're going to be exorcists. And they got this guy and they got him in a corner and they were going to pray the devil out of him, but they had no walk with God. They, all, all they had done was seen it happen. They had watched it happen. They had watched Paul do it. Maybe they had watched somebody else do it. And they thought, you know what? We're going to do this too. And we're just going to use the name of Jesus all willy-nilly. And so they used the name of Jesus and they used the name of Paul. They said, we, we ask you to come out by Jesus who Paul preaches. And the demon said, well, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And then the man jumped on him, beat him down. And apparently stripped them naked. <laughs> I mean, that's embarrassing. And they had to run out of the house naked and wounded. Mm. Be, be careful. Uh, be, be careful. Just because you've seen it happen don't mean you can do it. Amen? You, the, the enemy better know you some kind of way. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on all of them. And the name of the Lord was magnified. And many believed, came, and confessed, and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, some of y'all in here, you too young to remember this. But how many of y'all remember CD Burning Night? at youth camp or, 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 or Friday night youth service. Some of y'all remember that. Or tape burning night. We used to burn tapes. I had, to, I had the brand new Wyclef. Gone to November. Had to burn it. Y'all know nothing about no Wyclef. That's some of y'all saved, sanctified. Now, there's a biblical connotation for this. Now, back in the day, when, when we did those kind of things, uh, we had a guy come to our church one time and he preached against rock and roll music. And he had a slideshow presentation 
And he had like ACDC and Hell's Angels, all those people up there. And it sh he sh showed that slideshow. And I I'll tell you right now, there wasn't nobody in that building that wasn't scared for their life. If you had a vinyl at your house that had any of that music on it, you was going home right then. You were breaking it open, burning it over the stove. You was doing something. You was getting rid of it because it was the devil. And, the, and they would tell stories. Them stories would get you. Them stories of the kids who pulled in the driveway of the church and yelled at the preacher. They were playing, you know, Highway to Hell on their radio. And then they found them down the road and the car was flipped over. And the kid, the radio was stuck in his chest. And they had Highway to Hell sticking out of the tape. You was like... Jesus, Lord, forgive me. I didn't mean to listen to it, Jesus. Some of y'all not old enough to remember those messages, but I remember those messages. And the pastor just be sitting there on the front row just like, mm -hmm, tell him, tell him. Altars be full. We be burning everything. Well, this is what happened in the, New, in the New Testament church. The Bible says there were many of them that used curious arts and they brought their books in there. They had books that taught them how to make potions or read astrology or whatever you want to, anything you can probably think of. These people had books and, and the books of their time were not like the books of our time. Like you can go to the library and rent a, get a book for like a, a penny. Not, not so. In those times, if you, if you found something written, it was valuable. They didn't have no, they have no Netflix. They have no Disney plus. They have no uh, national geographic. They have no magazines. They, I mean, if you, if you had a book, it was valuable. But these books that had all these potions and seances and uh, all the kind of astrology, the Bible says they brought them together. The power of God moved on them so much, convicted them so much. They brought these books together and they burned them before all men. And they counted it up. Those books were worth 50,000 pieces of silver. And so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Acacia to go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. Now, I want you to catch that because I, I got about 10 more minutes. I'm going to be done. Catch that. Paul purposed in the spirit that he put passed through Macedonia. Here's what he said. He said, I feel in my spirit that I need to go to Jerusalem. Watch this. And after I've been there, I need to go to Rome. So he felt two things. I need to go to Jerusalem and then Rome. So remember that. So he went to Macedonia, two of them that ministered unto him. So he sent to Macedonia, sent to Macedonia, two of them that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus. And he himself stayed in Asia for a season. And at the same time, there arose no small stir about that way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, ye know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, ye see and hear that not, al not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands, so that not only our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. And when they heard these things, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of, of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion. And having got Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. And when Paul would have entered into the, into, unto the people, the disciples suffered him not. And certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring him that he would not preadventure himself into the theater. Some, therefore, cried one thing. 
and some another, for the assembly was confused. And the more part knew not therefore, they were come together. They drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward, and Alexander beckoned with the hand and would have made his defense unto the people. But they knew that he was a Jew. All with one voice unto the space of two hours cried, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how the city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great, great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter? Seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against, ye ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. For ye have brought hither these men, which are neither robbers of churches nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. Wherefore, if Demetrius and the craftsmen which are with him have a matter against any man, the law is open. And there are deputies. Let them implead one another. But if ye inquire anything concerning other matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. For we are in danger to be called in question for this day's uproar, there being no cause whereby we may give an account of this concourse. And when he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly. And I want to turn your attention to just that story right there. Demetrius was a maker of idols. He made silver idols, which uh, they made for the princess Diana and the goddess Diana. And that goddess Diana was worshipped by all of Asia. She had massive temples. You can just look this up on Google. You can go and look up the goddess Diana. You'll see pictures of it. It's still a thing in Asia even to this day. There are massive, massive um, shrines to the goddess Diana. And they worshipped this goddess. And Demetrius made a lot of money because of the goddess Diana. Because he would make these uh, idols for people. And so he went to all the people who made money off Diana. And he said, guys, we're going to lose money. We are losing money because Paul has converted these people and he is preaching to them that there are no gods made by man's hand and we're in trouble. We're about to lose our livelihoods. And they tried to overtake Paul and overtake the disciples for the love of money. For the root of all evil is the love of of money. This was more than about the Princess Diana. This was about the money. There's money in it. Anytime you see evil in the world, here's what you need to know. Somebody is making money off that evil. And it's not necessarily the evil that they want to continue. It's the money they want to continue. There's always money in evil. And even in the early church, they dealt with Powerful people who had a lot of money who wanted to make sure that this evil persisted, this worship to an unknown God, this worship to a false God would continue so that the money would continue. Amen? Amen? This is why we are in a time today, even in our country, where evil is allowed to exist because of money. False worship is allowed to exist because of money. Because if we were to convince and convict and convert people away from some of those things, the people would lose their gains. They would lose their money. So it's allowed. It's legalized. It's pushed forward. It's okay. We'll let the evil exist because it makes money. For the root of all evil is the 
love of money. Not money. It's the love of money. Amen. Stand with me. I'm closing. So next week I'll begin in, in Acts 20. But here's what I want you to remember this week in homework to remember is that Paul is that we're, we're, we're nearing the end of the book of Acts and there's some things that have to transpire and, and we're going to watch the end of Paul's life. But here's what you need to remember, that Paul feels two things in his spirit right now. He's, he, he's in this place. He's dealing with these people. He, he's, in, uh, he's in Ephesus and, and he's, he's about to go into, into Macedonia, uh, back into Macedonia again. But he feels two things in his spirit. Number one, I have to go back to Jerusalem. And number two, when I leave Jerusalem, I got to go to Rome because Paul is a Roman Jew. He's a Jew by birth. He's a Roman by citizenship, and he's going back home. And he feels in his spirit, I have to go to two places. I have to go to Jerusalem, and I have to go to Rome. So I want that to be the last thing you hear tonight because when we get into these next few scriptures, these next few chapters, I'm going to be going through very quickly. It's going to make a lot of sense to you next week when we get into these chapters. Amen. Did you enjoy the word of God tonight? We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.